Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome, welcome to Trending. We are diving into some important topics tonight. Everything from third-wave feminist icon Madonna uh, to talk to you a little bit about her whole coming out stunt, and I think it speaks volumes to what's been happening for a few years now on the front of feminism. We're also going to talk about Propositions 1 and 3 in California, as well as voters, you get to vote in the state of Vermont, in the state of Kentucky, in the state of Montana on abortion. What will the future of abortion be in those states from California and Michigan to Kentucky, Montana, and Vermont? There's some important things that you need to know. And so you stay with me, please, because I want to in particular unpack a little bit more of what's happening in the state of Michigan and Vermont on the abortion front. It is actually absolutely astounding to see that in the state of Michigan and Vermont, they're not just using pro-abortion attempts to um, what I would say enshrine abortion to the state constitution in Michigan and Vermont, but there's actually text in these propositions to the state constitution, which would allow for absolute so-called autonomy for minors when it comes to not just abortion, to kill your baby and have the aftermath of that in your body, your psyche, and emotional long-term damage, but also for castration, sterilization, and cross-sex hormones without parental consent, and I'm talking about for anyone from a toddler, baby, to a 13-year-old who suddenly says they're a girl stuck in a boy body or whatever they might argue today. It's shocking. News is coming out about Michigan. It's already been there in the amendment to the Constitution for the state of Vermont. So I'll break it down. Parents, you need to know what is happening. Even if it's not happening in your state, it's important to be aware of this. We're going to dive into an important topic. Yesterday, we celebrated the Feast of the Miracle of the Sun, that mystery of at Fatima when the sun w- completely changed, something you could look at without your eyes being blinded. Some people described it as looking like Mother of Pearl. Well, we talked about at that last apparition, public apparition of Our Lady at Fatima, how one of the calls she made and one of the visions that occurred that day of the Holy Family, St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary holding the child Jesus, that one of the calls was having to do with the sanctification of the family. And I've been reading calls from the messages of Fatima written by Sister Lucia, where she starts to explain what she views from the various apparitions and things that were revealed at Fatima by Our Lady. 
And in particular, she focused on the need to catechize our children. And so being in that fun season of my life, teaching a toddler and a baby the faith, I wanted to share with you and unpack some of the things I found most effective for passing on the faith to my baby girl. It's been really neat to see some of these things and how they've played out, especially for her uh, to kind of take up, you know, things that we started maybe when she was only a couple months old that, you know, not being very receptive yet to, of course, ideas of faith, but simple things such as the way we prayed with her, icons we placed in front of her, how it really has made a difference from the way we're seeing her own faith developing today. So I'm excited to unpack some of that with you today on the show. We'll also dive into now what I want to discuss, and that has to do with Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence is known well for the Hunger Games series, among other films, over the last number of years. And Jennifer Lawrence has been a fascinating character over the last few months and year in particular. She's currently the cover of one of the latest editions of Vogue magazine. And if you know Jennifer Lawrence, actor Jennifer Lawrence, also had a baby this year. Uh, she had a baby in February, and she is absolutely gushing over this new child. The baby's completely changed her life. And she made some recent comments about abortion that really stood out to me about, I think, this attitude we've heard in the culture many times before that has shifted somewhat. Uh, she made comments that remind me a little bit of this attitude where people say, I'm personally opposed to abortion. However, if other people want that choice, choose to make that choice, I'm okay with them choosing. It's kind of this, I'm pro-life, but you can do what you want. Now, I think most people who are quote-unquote pro-life but claim others can do what they want wouldn't really go all the way if they had to be in a situation where they were supporting or pushing or encouraging abortion at the end of the day. But I was reminded of this in a different way when Jennifer Lawrence made comments, very candid comments, about being a new mom and how much she loves children. In fact, it was very warming to hear some of her statements. If you know a little bit about Jennifer Lawrence's past, she grew up actually in the state of Kentucky, I believe, and in she grew up in a very conservative family, uh, having very traditional views on the perspective of abortion included. And she shares a story about her perspective changed one day when she was watching an episode of 30 Rock. And there was a line about how Liz Lemon wasn't a crazy liberal. She just wanted people to drive more hybrid cars to protect the environment. And the line goes like this. Nobody likes to see half their paycheck go away, but it made sense to me. Yeah, for the greater good, I guess it makes sense. So in other words, Jennifer Lawrence said her political ideologies changed after growing up in Kentucky in a Republican family with pro-life views that she took into her youth when she heard that idea of basically no one likes things such as losing half their paycheck, but it makes sense for the greater good. So essentially what Gen actress Jennifer Lawrence is saying is that her views, not just on politics, but even on abortion changed when she started to have this mindset of a greater good mentality. That, well, it's the same argument that I personally wouldn't have an abortion. I'm personally pro-life, but other people can do what they want to do. But let's reconcile this with some of Jennifer's Lawrence's latest comments. She talked about how her life completely changed when she had her baby. 
In fact, she said that day after she had her child and she was sitting there looking at her baby, she said beforehand she had feared that she wouldn't bond or like or be interested in her child. But that wasn't the case the moment she set her eyes on her baby. So that next day, she looked at her baby and realized, now is day one of my life. She understood her vocation responsibility. In these very few short comments from the Vogue magazine article with actress Jennifer Lawrence, she speaks volumes to how her little boy changed her life. Now, she went on to talk about how newborns are so amazing, should they're, they're pink, swollen, fragile little survivors. And she says this, now I love all babies. So clearly in becoming a mother, her perspective has changed somewhat on children. But then in the same Vogue interview, she goes on to support abortion. So I'm fascinated. On one end, she recognizes the fragility of newborn life. And on the other end, she's still arguing for abortion with this greater good type of mentality that she uses. Well, she shares that she actually has suffered what many women have gone through, and that is having lost a baby through miscarriage. She actually had two miscarriages. Her first was when she was in her 20s. She said she was all alone, and she was in Montreal when she went through the miscarriage. She'd actually been planning, she said, on having an abortion. Who knows if she actually would have gone through with it. But she then says she also miscarried a second time after she was married. She got married in 2019 and her and her husband again now have a baby that was born in February, a little boy. But she talks then about how, kind of grouping all of this together, she then discusses how her current pregnancy or her last pregnancy, it was great. She said she was fortunate in that experience and yet at the same time she said she was going through a very normal pregnancy for her that she realized, well, what if I was forced to do this? What if I was forced to have this child, forced to be pregnant? I think that this is where she brings in this argument in a certain respect that many, I think, women are making today. That is, I personally am a mom. I love my child. I love my children. I haven't had an abortion, but someone else shouldn't be forced to do this. Now, there's a little bit of weight to what is being said. The challenges of carrying a child to term, the taxing dimension of pregnancy, the reality of your life completely changing, as Jennifer Lawrence clearly understands with having a baby, all of this is truly life-changing. In a certain respect, we should acknowledge that no one should be forced to do that. This is why when we talk about things such as rape, incest, all these things, they're such terrible things because it forces someone against their will to consent to sexual interaction, but also part of what is so serious about that, in addition to the wound that occurs for the woman, is that impact that has to do with her fertility, the potential for new human life. That is what is so shocking. This is why so many people use the quote-unquote rape exception or argument for abortion because there is a sense of force, but that still doesn't mean we should put one life above the other and justify killing a baby. Again, that argument for abortion, not even the the rapist receives the death sentence. Why should the innocent bystander, the baby, receive the death sentence? And the mother who has an abortion after having been raped also usually significantly suffers 
severely in her inability to heal from the rape because she views herself more as the perpetrator, identifying more with the rapist than she does as the victim. Because she now sees that she did something awful by choosing an abortion when she chose to have an abortion against an innocent human life, just as she was innocent in the case of the rape. And so psychologically, it's very damaging and harmful for a woman when she has an abortion after having been raped. But coming back to this whole idea of many women saying, I'm a mom, I love my kids, but I wouldn't want anyone else to be forced to do this. This is where we get into this debate today, having to do with quote unquote consent. People will say they consented to sex, but they didn't consent to pregnancy or they didn't consent to birth or they didn't consent to motherhood. And so this is the common argument you'll hear from people when they try to justify their, I'm personally pro-life, I personally love being a mom, I personally love my children, but I don't want to force anyone else to do such a thing as this, even though I chose to do it. I'm gonna call the bluff on Jennifer Lawrence here for just a moment, because I think it's important It's really convenient to say I personally wouldn't do something and make a public statement that is trendy, that you think is trendy, for other people to view you as someone who is all compassionate for abortion. But I think at the end of the day, especially now now that Jennifer Lawrence has experienced two miscarriages, now cradles about an eight-month-old baby boy in her arms, I don't think she could go through with an abortion. I think she knows. She'd co- she's commented on the fragility of human life. She says that she loves all babies now. And just hearing some of what she's saying, talking about how her life started, that day one of her life was when she had that child. I call the bluff like most people that I think that most people who say I'm okay with abortion for other people, and not, but not myself. I love babies, but you don't have to con- have to have a baby if you don't want to. They wouldn't be able to go through with an abortion. Many of them wouldn't be able to go through with taking a friend to an abortion clinic or talking and encouraging a friend into into an abortion. Most people know that abortion comes with a tremendous number of wounds and scars. And I think that it's a wake-up call. If you have ever said, you know, I love my children, but I don't think other people should be forced to go through a pregnancy... Think again. Think about having that child, how the having that child transformed your life. Think about how having that child solidified your pro-life position. I know many women, many moms who when they finally had that baby, their wishy-washy pro-life position suddenly became pretty firm even if they weren't willing to advocate and speak up about it. I can think of one family member recently, a cousin, who came around to a perspective such as that, who are, you know, they were probably pro-life and wouldn't do it themselves, but maybe, you know, might kind of be okay with supporting someone. And then all of a sudden they have their child and they couldn't even imagine. They couldn't even imagine having an abortion. They couldn't even imagine what abortion is. They don't want to hear what abortion is. And I think that this is the challenge for that mindset that we need to break through, whether it's Jennifer Lawrence, other political or or even pop icon individuals, take it back to our friendships and in our interactions and challenge that mindset of I'm personally pro-life or I'm personally a mom but wouldn't want to force motherhood on anyone. I love babies but wouldn't want to force that on someone else. They shouldn't have to go through that. We need to come back to the conversation of emphasizing that no one's really willing to go through with supporting those abortion choices 
when you really become pro-life. And that it's easy to say, just like I think Jennifer Lawrence is saying, because it's popular and because she has the attention, she's on the cover of Vogue. But challenge that. Okay, you're obviously not okay with abortion of a newborn. Well, what about eight months? What about 35 weeks gestation? What about 27 weeks gestation? And keep pushing the conversation. Bring up little parts about fetal development. Bring up a little bit about the impact on the mom. She knows she's had two miscarriages. She knows how devastating and difficult that is. It's also devastating and difficult when you choose as a mother, because once a mother, always a mother, once having conceived, you've always had a baby. You have that psychological grief to grapple with. And she knows, and this is why we need to challenge this mindset of other people, especially as we come up on voting in the coming month in various states. And I want to talk to you about that here on Trending in just a moment. California, Michigan, Kentucky, Montana, Vermont, all of those five states are getting ready to vote on abortion and amendments to their state constitution. So I'll be back in just a moment to talk about that. And I would love to hear from you tips and ideas for how to catechize and educate a baby and a toddler. That's the season I'm in. I'll share with you some of the things I've loved and some incredible tips that some of you have shared with me over the last day. It's not too late to share your input. 1-888-914-9149 or join me on Instagram live with your questions and comments as well. listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. There's nothing like live radio. I almost just jumped out of my seat. Well, not a seat. I actually either stand or today I'm working on a ball, an exercise ball. So I bounced along the way, um, but I thought a spider jumped on my desk in front of me because we have jumping spiders here in the Midwest, like everywhere. They jump. And they don't start jumping, stop jumping. So luckily it was just a fly landing, but I almost jumped out of my seat and yelped on live radio. Those moments, those things that happen. We need a blooper scene. I remember one of my first um, live daily shows, I spilt water all over my desk when I was starting the show and trying to pretend like nothing happened while cleaning it up at the same time. Another show I was, I really don't like snakes. And there was a huge snake right outside of my window. And all I could think was my husband's getting home from work soon. And that snake is going to be on the path. Now, Grant, it wasn't a rattler snake or anything. We were living in California at the time. But still, that would be startling to come across a snake out of nowhere on your path walking home. So I was thinking for about 20 minutes while I couldn't stop uh, the show about this snake. I'm just fixated watching the snake as I was on the show. So those funny blooper moments that you'll never know about behind the scenes. But no jumping spiders here, at least not right now, even though they're all starting to come inside again because of the rainy weather. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Okay, I want to hear from you. I've been gathering responses all day via social media, so you can go and share them there. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, or give me a call, 1-888-914-9149. Here's what I've been gathering responses on. How do you catechize or start catechizing a baby and a toddler? I want to hear your thoughts, what's worked, what's been effective. We've done some really fun things since we had our first baby girl and our second one coming in December. 
And I found some things that really taken off and resonated with my daughter. And it's been so neat to see the fruits of blossoming. And so I'd love to share those ideas as well as some of the ones that have been sent to me. If you have any input, let me know. And we can always continue the conversation if you don't get your input in today. But I want to talk about feminist icon Madonna, quote unquote, coming out as gay, supposedly or not. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, are you following the historic moment in our nation right now where we saw Roe versus Wade overturned in June. The decision of abortion returns to the states. Many states immediately have trigger laws that are triggered, going into effect rather quickly, implementing prior pro-life laws that were on the book prior to the Roe v. Wade decision in 1973, or pro-life laws that were passed that were being prevented from being implemented because of Roe versus Wade. But then, you have a historic moment where the most ballot measures on abortion ever on record are going to be on state ballots this coming November. You have the opportunity as a citizen to have your voice directly heard for a vote for or against abortion. Proposition 1 in California, and I'll break these down a little bit more. Proposition 1 in California, we've talked about it already. We need a no vote. It's an amendment to the state constitution to basically give unfettered access to abortion all the way up to birth and actually perinatal birth, which would, or sorry, perinatal death, where if a child was aborted or um, if a child was killed alive via infanticide, there would be no question or research done into the cause of death for that baby that was already born and into the physicians who might have been attending that sudden death. So that's how bad it is. So it would be trying to enshrine abortion absolutely and funded with taxpayer money. And when I tell you funded in the state of California, it would be so funded in California, it would take precedence over the needs of families for food and women for various programs, among other things. So abortion funding would be funded in the state of California above other basic family and female needs in the state of California. That's how bad it is. And just kind of a couple other notes that I think are really important when we're talking about this, because we need to recognize what we are up against. And there's a lot I've discussed. We'll include a link in the podcast notes where I go into further detail on specifically Proposition 1 in the state of California. But as we're talking about it, just a few thoughts that it's so important you're hearing on this. It wouldn't just allow for absolute tax funder of abortion, funding of abortion. It's a blank check for abortion above any other program. There are absolutely no limits on, on abortion. Perinatal death, so if a baby dies after birth in those first moments or even days after, that wouldn't be looked into. The mom would be totally exonerated, as could medical physicians who might have killed a baby after birth, such as because the mom didn't want her baby or to harvest baby parts. It would also, also I think really important that we recognize, bring into question some of the regulations on abortion to meet basic medical health standards. These pro-abortion amendments to the Constitution are so in favor of abortion, they overrule basic medical health care. In other words, they're giving bad care to women. So that needs to be a no vote in the state of California, Proposition 1. It's written and it's being discussed in a very confusing way. It's a no vote. And the reality is, is that we should be able to talk to people who we radically disagree with on the issue of abortion 
especially in states, all of these states, especially Prop 1 in California, Prop 3 in Michigan, as well as in Vermont, Vermont Proposition Number 5, all three of those, so California, Michigan, and Vermont, all need no votes on their propositions to amend the state constitution on abortion, because here's the deal. These would overrule any parental notifications. These would enshrine abortion in their state constitution. And we're talking about two states in particular, California and Vermont, that are very, very pro-abortion permissive states. For example, in the state of California, abortion, it has unfettered access up to 24 weeks. And late-term abortion, it's very easy to get access to a late-term abortion because abortion is allowed through all nine months in a woman's pregnancy in the state of California as well as in Vermont. But the reality is, is that most people who are even in favor of abortion believe in common sense limits for abortion. That there, one, shouldn't be unfettered access, that there is a cutoff point. That two, taxpayers should not be funding abortion. And three, most people don't believe in anything such as infanticide, killing a baby outside of the womb, or not looking into the death of a baby after the baby's been born. And so, People on both sides of the political spectrum, on both perspectives of abortion, can agree that Prop 1 in California, as well as Prop 5 in Vermont, need to go. That there's no reason why these propositions are necessary. There's already extreme access to abortion in those states, whether even if these propositions giving further access into the state constitution fail. And so this is why we should be able to get our opponents to agree with us that even if they want abortion expansion, this is not the abortion expansion that they want. So it's important that we find that common ground, especially with people who are quote unquote in the middle saying, I personally wouldn't have an abortion, but I believe someone else should be able to. So that's Proposition 1 in California, just again, kind of sparks notes a glimpse at what's going on, needing a no vote in California, as well as a no vote on Prop 3 in Michigan. Now, Michigan, I want to talk a little bit more about in just a few moments because there's been some breaking news over the last week or so on the Michigan ballot measure that you are going to be shocked to hear about. We really need a no vote. So we'll come back to Vermont and Michigan in a moment. There's an amendment, amendment number two in the state of Kentucky. If you're in Kentucky or know someone who is, we want to vote yes on amendment two for life. It's a constitutional amendment, state amendment, that makes it so that there's one, no right to end the life of a baby in the womb, and two, no right to use your taxpayer funding to pay for abortion. So this would be protecting babies from being aborted and protecting your tax money from paying for abortion. So that's why we do want this state amendment into the Kentucky Constitution. So it's a yes on Amendment 2. We also have in the state of Montana what's known as LR-13. 13. Also, actually, I might be saying that wrong. Sorry, it's LR-131. LR-131 is a Legislative Referendum 131. It's another amendment to the state constitution, and we need a yes vote. It would The yes vote would lead to a legal protection for babies who are born alive. So in other words, if a baby's born alive, you're legally protected. But two, it would require that physicians, nurses, all present, are required to give adequate medical care to the baby born alive. Here's one of the challenges. Currently, when a baby is born alive after an abortion, 
thriving, breathing, moving, fighting for life, physicians and nurses, nurses are told to leave that baby and not console it. Nurses are told to leave that baby in the corner of the room on a medical dish, cold medical dish to die, receiving no resuscitation, receiving nothing to help. Now, my good friend Jill Stanick, who's been a guest here on Trending before, will post a link in the episode notes as well as uh, on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Last time Jill was on with me just last month, we were talking about how she actually worked inside a Catholic, or sorry, not a Catholic, a Christian hospital. And she worked in the labor delivery ward as a nurse, and they were performing abortions. And she blew the whistle that this Christian quote-unquote Christian hospital was performing abortions, and she saw instances where babies were literally born alive and left to receive no medical care. And she would go and hold and carry and love these babies until until and while these babies died in her arms. Because nurses are being told not to give medical care to unwanted children. The only determining factor between whether or not a baby lives or dies today is whether the baby's wanted or unwanted. If the baby's wanted, medical care by physician and nurses is given. If a baby is unwanted, that care is not given. Baby's left to die. And if they're lucky, perhaps a kind, compassionate pro-life nurse will cradle that baby in his or her last moments. Now, these are really important that we're talking about because it's interesting when we talk about um, babies being born alive, even the former CDC director, the CDC director of abortion surveillance, Dr. Willard Cates, actually commented that based on statistics we have from uh, Canada and other places, we know that babies are being born alive after having having had an attempted abortion performed on them. The estimate for the United States is around 500 babies, at least, are being born alive and not receiving medical care. So we're talking about 500 babies where physicians should be giving medical care. And for example, in the state of Montana, if this amendment to the state constitution passes, which we need a yes vote for it to, this legislative referendum 131 in the state of Montana would give legal protection to babies born alive and require physicians to give medical care to those babies that were born alive. Even if this only saved one life, it would be worth it. And this is what we're fighting for, one life at a time. So I want to remind you too, if you're wondering, what do I do about abortion? How can I make a change right now? Be pro-life. Be an active voice for life. One way you can do that is by joining 40 Days for Life, 40 Days of Praying and Fasting in front of the abortion clinic. Even if you've never prayed in front of an abortion clinic before, you can do it. You just have to sign up at 40daysforlife.com. You sign up, you pray at the same time as at least one other prayer partner is out there. And it's your right to free speech, to pray in front of the abortion clinic. It's peaceful. And I hope you'll go if you haven't already. We're currently in the middle of a 40 Days for Life campaign that just started a couple of weeks ago. Okay, we have another. So we talked about Proposition 1 in California. We talked about Montana's proposition as well as Kentucky's proposition. I want to talk to you about Prop 3 in Michigan and Prop 5 in Vermont. Two that are very, very similar. Okay, when we're talking about Michigan, some new news has come out, and I've already broken this out before, but it's important to understand Proposition 3 in Michigan, if this passes, if people 
fail to say no. We need people to say no because otherwise this is what will happen. It would allow for abortion up to birth and partial birth abortion. So a baby could be partially out of a woman's womb. You just flip the baby so that the legs come out first. And as long as the head isn't out yet, they still kill a baby. Although this was banned in 2007 by the Supreme Court, we know it is still occurring. There's been evidence of this. Now, Prop 3, again, gives unfettered access to abortion all the way up to birth. It even gets rid of basic common sense laws that are currently in place in the state of Michigan. It overrules the parent's right to parental notification. And there's something else that's come out. This is, I posted the link on social media. Follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, because you need to know what's happening in the state of Michigan. This is frightening. So via a judicial bypass, not only would abortion be accessible, but this is where we get into that whole conversation of, quote, bodily autonomy. You've heard this a lot from the pro-abortion movement. Well, they're also using bodily autonomy in the pro-abortion push in order to allow for minors. And when I'm saying minors, this is for everyone of any age. In fact, in the state amendment to the amendment to the Vermont Constitution, that's Proposition 5, It talks about, quote, personal reproductive liberty. And under that, both in Michigan and in Vermont, what they're doing is they're making it for all. And they make it very clear for all. That includes toddlers, babies, 9-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 15, 17-year-olds. You're allowed to have an abortion without any parental consent or notification. Have contraception. Be sterilized. That's right. I'm talking about castration for boys and sterilization for girls. You're also allowed, if this passes, if this proposition passes in the state of Vermont and in the state of Michigan, a minor could choose to have potentially a surgery to physically alter their body, not just castration, not just sterilization, but to rework the anatomy of their body to present as someone of the opposite sex. it's not, A sex change isn't possible. You can't change your sex. You can manipulate anatomy and use plastic surgery. And that's what will be allowed and funded through the state in Vermont and in Michigan if Proposition 5 in Vermont and Prop 3 in Michigan pass. Not only that, minors will be able to access puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, which, by the way, are highly, highly cancerous, We know this very clearly, leading to anxiety and depression and other health issues. We talked about it here on training. We'll talk about it more in the days to come because it's important we understand what Vermont and Michigan are trying to do to children. Allow for them without parental consent or notification to have so-called gender-affirming care such as cross-sex hormones, puberty-blocking drugs. We're talking about taking a cross-sex hormone that would literally render a person infertile permanently even if they come off of that, that would prevent puberty from taking its proper course. This is unfathomable. I can't believe we're even talking about it. And it's interesting because this is different from state to state. For example, the state of Iowa proposed legislation to explain why they're proposing a ban on puberty blockers and surgical procedures for children. And this is part of what the legislation proposed in Iowa says. Listen, this is important. 
on sound medical and psychological data. It says puberty blockers prevent maturation of the gonadal and thus renders children taking these drugs infertile, introducing cross-sex hormones to children with immature, immature gonads as a direct result of pubertal blockade is expected to cause irreversible sterility. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the permanence of never being able to have a child and that being decided upon by a minor without parental consent or notification as early as being a toddler. And I know that sounds insane because what toddler would choose? There are people in the pro-transgender movement today who are actually saying that we should be asking kids consent to change their diapers and that kids can consent and choose what they want, including cross-sex hormones, sex with adults and other minors. And this is absolutely unfathomable that this is being allowed into the proposition for the Vermont Propositional Amendment to increase access to abortion and to quote-unquote bodily autonomy and reproductive liberty. This is all about the pro-LGBTQ agenda along with abortion. The two are hand-in-hand and in bed together. And Planned Parenthood has helped in writing both of these state amendments in in Vermont and in Michigan. And remember this, mark my words, I've been sharing this with you for years. Planned Parenthood is one of the leading providers of puberty-blocking drugs, cross-sex hormones, so-called gender-affirming care. They are the second largest provider of quote-unquote gender-affirming hormone therapy in the nation. It is a cash cow. And we are seeing state governments paying for this for children. In the state of Oregon right now, children are accessing cross-sex hormones without any parental consent. And in many public school systems and medical in medical settings, they believe that this is a matter of bodily autonomy and they're foregoing the law because there are not laws supporting this yet unless these propositions are passed in Vermont and Michigan. They're foregoing the law and this is going to be a huge legal battle. And people are choosing to allow children to consent to these, to these cross-sex hormones that are extremely damaging for their bodily, causing sterility among other issues. And they're just choosing on their own to do it without the legal protections to do so, without the rights to do so. But Vermont and Michigan are saying, oh, no, we're writing this into our constitutional amendment that you're voting on in just a few weeks. So Vermont, Michigan, beware. Most people in Michigan do not know about this. You need to blow the whistle if you are in the state of Michigan about the truth of this very confusing propositional amendment that's supposed to be pushing abortion with unfettered access, but is also saying, parents, you have no right to your child. Parents, be damned is what it's saying. Parents, we're taking your rights away. Parents, through judicial bypass, the state and your child, medical physicians, and your child will decide what goes and what doesn't go about some of the most intimate details of your child's life. The family is being overruled. This would also open the door. These amendments having to do with so-called personal reproductive liberty in Vermont and Michigan, would allow for surrogacy trafficking, the trafficking of women via surrogacy, which is already occurring here in the United States. It would also lead potentially to possible protections for human cloning, increase access to designer babies where babies are being made and created for a certain type of eye color, hair color, genetic makeup. And there are no conscience protections, especially in the Proposition 5 in Vermont, for medical providers who disagree with cross-sex hormones, 
so-called gender-affirming surgeries, you can't change your sex, it's not possible, or who don't consent to performing abortions. This is scary. Whether you're pro-life or pro-abortion, no one actually agrees with these bills other than the radical people who wrote them, such as the advocates from Planned Parenthood. You're listening to Trending with Timmy here on Relevant Radio. I'll be right back. We're going to talk about third-wave feminist icon Madonna, so-called coming out. Did she really? Is this just a publicity stunt? As well as teaching a toddler and baby their faith. Listening to Trending with Timry, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Advent is coming and so is Christmas, and you know what that means? My baby is coming. Actually, what I really want to talk to you about, but I mean, that's the mindset I'm in right now. Advent's coming up fast, and Relevant Radio is giving away this year again 200 nativity sets. I've told you how much I love mine. My daughter wouldn't even let me put it outside last year because she thought they were just her best friend, life-size Mother Mary and St. Joseph and baby Jesus. So I want you to be able to display this nativity set in your home this year. So we're doing a giveaway now so that you have it in time for the Advent and Christmas season. You only have until midnight central time, October 16th, to sign up to win this nativity set. Proudly welcome Christ into your heart and home this year. Just sign up now to win this nativity set at relevantradio.com slash set. That's relevantradio.com slash set for a chance to win this nativity set from Relevant Radio. Okay, so I do want to comment for just a moment on Madonna. You probably saw the ridiculous TikTok. I posted it on my social media earlier this week. Ridiculous TikTok of Madonna really showing some vampire Halloween vibes. I'm not even going to get into it, but it was creepy. And is that really her style today? I don't know. I, I need to not go down that rabbit hole. But basically, she's dancing there. She's in her bathroom, and she's got a pair of pink underwear in her hand. And the slogan on the TikTok says, if I miss, I'm gay. And she throws her pink underwear toward the trash can. She misses and then you kind of were left wondering, everyone's asking, did Madonna just come out saying she's gay? Well, there's nothing new about this. Please remember, and I think this is important, Madonna is truly the symbol of third wave feminism. We have first wave feminism having to do with the suffragists and the women's right to vote and sharing and really trying to share uh, the female perspective and family perspective at a time when that was kind of maybe at times being ignored in the political sphere. But then, and this is what's interesting, but then we also had second wave feminism that gets into this idea where the women's movement is hijacked and it becomes freedom from your fertility, being released from the shackles and being able to be like a man and compete and work and function like a man without the drawbacks of having a child in motherhood. Sorry, doesn't matter how hard we try, we try to rewrite our anatomy and chemical makeup, we are experiencing a massive fallout from second wave feminism with contraception, abortion, wounding our bodies, our relationships, our minds, our souls. But then you have third wave feminism. 
that starts to say, because we've taken babies out of sex, sex out of marriage, we're trying to say there's absolute equality between maleness and femaleness. No difference. No differences whatsoever. We now see that third wave feminism, and again, Madonna is an absolute icon of this, says there's no difference between men and women. But there's this also ultra-sexualized view of the human person. And Madonna kind of represents, and I thought this video was so, like, just so representative of her truly being the third wave feminist icon of how, look at how she's dressed. Look at how um, radically sensualized she is. She represents that animal-like evolved type of sexualized human being that is quote-unquote enlightened and might I even argue in her instance elitist and now she's just shimmying about in a TikTok video I don't know am I or am I not gay oops I missed the trash can so that must mean I am so everyone's wondering is she actually saying okay well this is nothing new this is absolutely nothing new back in 1991 again she's the symbol of third wave feminism she came out as bisexual and talked about how we all have a little bit of bisexual in us. I think she is a testament to what happens when you date so many people or with so many men where you become confused about your sexuality. You start to not feel the great gift of what attraction between two people is and what the gift of that relationship is. And I think it's very natural. And I've seen this with friends of mine who have become so promiscuous, suddenly they start to doubt their sexuality after having had such severe wounds from the culture we live in that says anything and everything goes. It goes from serial dating and sleeping around. It then turns into wounds and heartbreak. It turns into chemical meshing of our bodies to absolutely damage the body. And the next thing you know, it turns into, well, let me experiment with people of the same sex as well. And then, that, and then because I've done that, now I need to identify and come out as gay. This is nothing new. Madonna's been toying with this for years with this prowess that she shows in who she is. She is, I really argue, the icon of third wave feminism in many ways. And I don't know about you, but I look at Madonna and I say, that's not what I want, especially she's giving her scary vampire vibes in this TikTok video. I'm just saying. But let's talk about some fun things today. Uh, let's talk about teaching a baby and toddler their faith. I know a little bit of a change here, uh, but yesterday on the anniversary of the miracle of the sun, the day that we often still celebrate Our Lady of Fatima, October 13th. I walked through Sister Lucia's comments on the call to the sanctification of the family that Our Lady calls for at Fatima. One of the big things that I mentioned yesterday, and I hope you listen to the episode, we'll include a link on social media as well as in the podcast notes. But one of the big things that Sister Lucia focuses on is the responsibility of parents to catechize their children. And I want your ideas. I'm in this season, especially with a toddler. How do you start passing on the faith? Because we're taught that children are very, very uh, predisposed toward faith. That it's us who either fail to kindle or stymie their faith and the world stymies their faith that prevents that from continuing to grow. So here are some neat things I've done. I mentioned the other day prayer. From, an, from her first couple months when before she'd go to bed, I'd take her before the crucifix, turn her body to totally look and hold her up if needed based on, you know, her eyesight and everything. And I'd say a really simple prayer. You know, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for this day. Good night, Jesus. Help me to be like your mama Mary. She's a girl, right? And you could say maybe like St. Joseph as a baby's boy. 
And I would show her icons of Our Lady. We had a little Mother Mary rattle and a little Mary statue. And as soon as she knew how to say Mama, and before she did, I'd say, this is Mama Mary. And so very early on, as soon as she could say Mama, she would then start to pick up the statue and say, Mama, Mama. And I taught her and offered her the opportunity to kiss the crucifix. And I'd kiss the crucifix. I didn't force her because I wanted to make sure that she never says one day, oh, I was forced to kiss the crucifix. But it's her choice. And she says, I love you to Jesus. And she kisses, you know, Jesus on, on the crucifix. Another thing that I've tried to do, you know, with using these items, and by the way, this is one of the big tips that I've heard most often from moms over the last day when I've been gathering ideas for uh, catechizing a toddler, especially a little baby, is using lots of faith-filled board books. There's so many fun ones from Magnificat, uh, Ignatius Press, and others that really start to teach very simple ideas of the faith. I'm actually putting together a Christmas gift guide and baptism guide ideas per my sister's request. Um, and so I'll be sharing some of these really fun kid um, items that I love that we have in our home that I love to also buy for family members as well. Uh, one of the things that I've done with my daughter since she knows who Jesus is when she sees the you know the crucifix is I'll ask her, we'll go into a room because we try to have a crucifix in every room and I'll say, where's Jesus? And she knows, she'll look. And if she's in our home, she knows where he is. But if we're other places, she looks around until she finds him. Or at church, we'll do this. And she'll try to find Mother Mary. My next step, because she actually did it on her own one day about a month ago, we were visiting the local cathedral showing my sister when she was in town. And we were going in and out of the pews genuflecting. And I've never thought to have her genuflect because she's just so little. She's only 21 months. And she got down on one knee and went backwards and genuflected on her own. I realized, oh my goodness, we need to teach you to genuflect to Jesus. So she's done it once on her own and then I've gotten her to do it once since then with me. But, you know, toddler running doesn't necessarily have time for things. But that's a new one that, you know, we'll start to maybe a little bit incorporate if she's attentive enough. And I'm noticing that's part of, you know, one of the big things with toddlers is if you have their attention and they're not frustrated there's a lot you can say and interact with when you're interacting with them another neat thing I mentioned the nativity set I didn't end up putting my nativity set outside last year I kept it inside because she just hugged Jesus and Mary and Joseph and carry baby Jesus all over the house so having a great big maybe kid-friendly nativity set which you can win from relevant radio relevantradio.com slash set is helpful as well I also, we have an image of an icon of the guardian angel in her room, and we really want her to develop that uh, relationship with her guardian angel, asking for the intercession of her guardian angel, which we all have. And so we pray before the guardian angel before she goes to bed as well. And we give her the opportunity. If she wants to kiss her guardian angel, she can, and she'll say, I love you. So there are very simple little things that I found have been rich moments for her to get to know Jesus, to start to build that personal relationship that's so important with Jesus and his mother, Mary. And I realized that these kids are incredible sponges for very simple concepts of the faith. And our faith is simple. We need to inspire and cultivate that natural tendency toward the faith. And we need to kindle it and continue to kindle it as it grows in the years to come. And so pray for me as again, I'm journeying in that new journey of being a mom. I'm praying for you. And I love your tips and ideas for how to pass on the faith to children. Send them to me, relevantradio.com trending. 
Have you joined us yet for our weekly happy hour on trending? This is Tim Ray from Trending with Tim Ray. Mondays, we discuss everything from happiness, although it's fleeting, to joy, which is rooted in God. We address midlife crises, prayer, friendship, job satisfaction, and you name it, because who doesn't want to have lasting happiness, joy rooted in God? Join me daily at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.